the definition of life or value has changed. So, as you just rightly said, it's it's going to reset. Yeah, it has to, because we get so far off of the principle, it's unsustainable. Oh, we run out of gas, and so here we go. Off we go out from underneath the principles. We create our own stuff. It works for a while, but it breaks you eventually, and then a whole generation suffer for it, and we back to the reset. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the opinion of Archetype Wealth Partners or its advisors. The mention of different asset types or securities do not constitute a recommendation for our clients. If you have any questions about the content of this podcast, please contact your advisor. In this episode of Navigating Bitcoin's Noise, I'm joined by Hassan Boyle, who is a great teacher, truth seeker, and theological expert. Hassan and I discussed the importance of finding purpose, understanding value, and the connections between Bitcoin and the principles taught in the Bible. If you're looking to better understand Bitcoin's past and its future potential as an economic network, then join us and listen in. everybody thanks for joining today um, I'm very excited about this conversation we're about to have uh, I have with me Hassan Boyle uh, who's a lecturer of theology a great teacher just super wise guy that I've gotten to know um, through a colleague and, and, and through some Hassan's classes Bible optics um, so I'd love for uh, you guys to listen and, and, and hope you find some great wisdom and what we're going to talk about today. Hassan, can you um, tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit of your background, and then we'll kind of get rolling into everything else. Well, as you can tell, I'm not from Alabama. <laughs> um, the accent's just a bit off. I'm from Ireland, uh, born and reared, and uh, my wife Lucy, two children and grandchildren. Um, and my wife and I, we've pastored, pioneered really is what we've done. I mean, we've pastored several churches, but we pioneered them from the ground up and I've been involved in the in the Christian narrative of of life for several decades now, um, and uh, our whole issue with Bible optics is um, I, I, I lecture on Christian theology and Christian philosophy, um, and so I've stepped back from the religious side of you know being a pastor, so to speak, so that I can talk and help people understand what the scriptures are, are meaning, what what God uh, has given to us in the kingdom. So um, it's what we do in Bible Optics. I've been around this for decades now, and I've been around it long enough to see uh, its strengths and its weaknesses uh, and the denominational uh, aspect of it has really weakened who we are as a, as a people. We've got to get back to the kingdom. and So that that's my passion right now is to, is to help people grasp um, understanding uh, what the Bible is all about. So... And that's a great, uh, great story. And I think for listeners, is kind of like what we're going to talk about today. We'll talk a little bit, not really about religion. Uh, we're kind of talking more about the principles and values that that are baked in the Bible. And we're talking about how that's baked into money and how that's baked into just our general livelihoods. And hope uh, that each of you, as we continue to talk about this topic, walk away with better understanding and, and, and find purpose in your life and what you do. I think people don't understand that we are hardwired a certain way. God has a system that pulls the potential out of that in a very positive way. 
but we can also play to our base our passions and, and senses and 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 misuse that potential and and whether that be money or marriage or values or whatever and and, and so there is a great set of rules that we all have access to and uh, it helps us to do life better it's kingdom principles what makes it real wise is principles if you stick with principles principles never change so yeah, they're handed down from one to another so if you find wiser people you take whatever principles they uh, do life on and you think about it and word it for yourself and then apply it to your own life and everybody thinks you're wise and really it's not wise it's just the application of principles mm-hmm. that are repetitive repetitive for every generation repeat regardless of the situation regardless of the decade um, you know, when the balances get out of whack, that's where the principles, in my opinion, the principles and values really show yeah. their work. It's your, it's your foundational standard. It's your benchmark. Mm-hmm. I think I mentioned that to you, didn't I? Mm-hmm. It's your benchmark. You take your level from it. Uh, somebody's gone to the, the bother of leveling it out, writing on the Oregon Survey map what that level is. They've t- taken theodolites out. or So anybody who comes along later on that's wanting to take a building and you know, we're going to build next door, we're going to build across the street, they get their theodolite out and they take a level from that marker because it's a benchmark. Mm-hmm. And then everything then is... It's interesting from our side of the world in wealth management because everybody has a benchmark. It's some index, it's some dollar mark that, that they kind of allow that to tell them whether they're doing good or bad in life. And who defines the benchmark? Right, right. And it's just players in the industry. Like, hey, this is what... This is the worldly status that yeah. you should seek to adhere to, or uh, the S&P did this this year or this month. That's what you should have done. But to your point, having values and principles as your benchmark is a much better guide because they tend to alert you when you get out of whack, whereas if you're just following these benchmarks that are set by the financial services industry or whatnot, it creates this level of distraction and emotion and stress that when you fall back to principles, you realize that stuff doesn't truly really, really doesn't matter. No. It, it really depends who sets what's called a principle. For example, I mean, I remember um, I used to use the terminology when somebody would say, you know, um, I believe this or I believe that. or I used to say, okay, let me ask you something. Um, I want you to measure this room heel to toe and tell me how, how long it is. And so I get my wife to measure it and she'll come back and she says, 36 feet. And then I go to some guy and I say, hey, you measure it heel to toe. So he measures and says, no, nah, it's not 36 feet, it's 28 feet. And then I get somebody else comes along and I say, hey, you measure it. And they come along and say, well, you know what, I'm after measuring it and I'm a big guy and I just heel to toe and I, it's 20 feet. The problem is that they're, they're sure that it's the, that length or that, but they're measuring according to their own foot standard. Mm-hmm. So the only way to fix this problem and find out what, what the, the, the width of the room is, is to take out a 12-inch ruler and then lay the ruler over itself. And we find out that, you know, it's 26 feet. So um, then Lucy, it doesn't matter what she says and it doesn't matter what the other two guys say, the ruler becomes the standard you understand what I mean by mm-hmm. ruler, the, yeah, the 12 yeah, inch ruler, or the meter stick. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we talk about life, or about marriage, or about money, or about um, 
uh, our, the way we raise our kids, our morals, our values, our standards, everyone is going to measure it according to their own principle. Mm -hmm. And I think we should be, you know, change change the gender or change our, our pronouns. or um, And that suits me and that's what I believe in. And you see, well, that's what you believe in. And here we are, we're all measuring life by our own standards. Right. But that doesn't mean that the standard I measured it by is right. Lucy measured it and she got 36. She was wrong. She was right to her standard because she measured it heel to toe. That was her conclusion. Well, my foot must be a foot. So what you've got to do is you've got to take your foot and put it against the meter stick or the 12-inch ruler, and then you get a proper perspective as to whether your standards are right or wrong. That, that standard that's lasted thousands of years, not the standard that's lasted this decade or the last 20 years or the last 50 years, but the one that, that is timeless. So, who makes up the principles? What is a principle? Is a principle something that we, you know, we do now and then science will change it later and change the benchmark for that. Truly principles are the things God gave us mm -hmm. to set the world we, as we know it in, 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 in measurement, in balance. So God has a benchmark for marriage. Mm -hmm. It's a man and woman. It's just his benchmark. Now, right. I, people may not agree with that. I understand you, 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 it's your prerogative to not right. agree. Right. And so you can deviate from the benchmark and say, no, 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 that's not a marriage. This is a marriage. Or this is a relationship. Or this is prosperity. Or this is wealth. Or this is joy. You, you can come up with your own, you know, scenarios to what it is. But here's the thing about God's benchmarks. They never change. And when you deviate away from a principle that God set in motion, you will not change God's principle. But that principle will break you eventually because these are laws. When I say principles, they're laws. Mm -hmm. So gravity is a law. As I said, you know, you can jump off a building and for 40 seconds you can be saying, I can fly, I can fly, until you meet gravity and gravity say, no, you can't, no, you can't. Mm -hmm. uh, because gravity is the principle you're trying to defeat. There are laws and then there are higher laws. So you have the law of gravity and then you have the law of thrust and lift. They're both laws, they're both principles, but one's a higher principle. As long as you operate on the law of thrust and lift, gravity takes a back seat. So that's what flight is. So you're flying, you're, you're, you're accelerating and you're causing lift. But the minute you turn off the engine and decide I'm not going to operate the law of thrust and lift, gravity will automatically kick in. And, you know, we can have all sorts of uh, perspectives in life or, or outlooks of life. And hey, we might be flying, we might be winging it, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Hey, it seems to be working for me. Well, you just keep doing it, but eventually when you run out of gas, eventually when you run out of whatever, trying to provide this law that supersedes what God said. If you can't keep that thing up there or your, your emotion in check or the, that thing's gonna stop and you're gonna meet the principle again. Does but, that make sense? No, it makes total sense. I think that's what a lot of people miss. Uh, if you look around the world today, all the chaos, all the different value systems, all the different principles, and you know, we all have our own bias. We're human, mm -hmm. they happen, but increasingly throughout time, throughout different leading countries, throughout different leading reserve currencies, monetary systems, all those things, really it's that vicious cycle, and if, if you read parts of the Bible, it existed then, where you know, the people start out principled, they start out with value systems, and then for whatever reason, natural human greed kind of 
slowly takes place and people don't realize it and those principles and values move as you just kind of laid out and then they they move even broader and they get even wider and then next thing you know you're just really far off that benchmark mm-hmm. that principle in your in your class you talk about the bible being laws and it's the it's a constitution, constitution. Yeah. and people look at it as like oh we just go learn these lessons but it's the constitution that lays forth the the principles and values you should use and over time we get away from that mm. and then you have these resets and the in these where power changes money changes people's values then they shift all the way back to that Reset. very rooted principle and then it starts again yeah or, or one generation loses sight of what a previous generation had discovered right and and the value system of, of the generation that they lived through the second world war their value of family and food and money is different than the kid who knows nothing but the internet or a laptop or mm-hmm. a you know that that electronic modem of life and it's just a different it's a different generation and their value systems today an 18 year old is more worrying about what facebook is saying mm-hmm. uh, and how many how many people are uh, clicking likes and um, we don't want to have kids until we're in our mid 30s we don't want to we want to be career people you know if you're successful in life you go to college get a degree and then you enter into uh, into the workforce um, and the definition of life or value has changed mm-hmm. so as you just rightly said it's it's going to reset yeah it has to because we get so far off of the principle it's unsustainable and god give us principles and we think well you know what god i'm smarter than you are right now so i mean i understand why you did it and i think it was great and you know thank you for all you've done but you know what i've got this and so here we go off we go out from underneath the principles we create our own stuff it works for a while but it breaks you eventually and then a whole generation suffer for it and we back to the reset i graduated college in 2004 and ended up um in financial services around 2006, so right in front of 2007, 8, 9, 10. One of the best lessons that I learned, you know, you're sitting in front of a screen, you're managing clients' monies, placing trades, and just watching everything just literally be destroyed. Um, so it kind of started me down the path of, of what is money, what really works, doesn't work, why does this stuff happen? Um, and so for the better part of a decade, that's just sort of what I did in, in my spare time, my interest, um, and it fits and starts. And so then I think it was 2016 or so through my business partner, Chip Brackley, I, I knew who Ray Dalio was. He runs the largest hedge fund in the world, um, but just never really followed him other than some headlines. And he came out with a book, Principles, that was out for like two years. I didn't read it. Uh, we were chatting, and I was like, oh, let me check that out. Read it, and I was like, holy crap. This He's laid it all, you know. he's I said, To me, I was like, I don't know if he's a Christian or not, but he's kind of rewritten the Bible in man's terms and, yeah. and, and gone through and done the research for this historical repeating pattern. And then he had big debt crisis, which I knew a lot about, um, but it was reinforcing. And then um, now he, he's got his new Changing World Order, and through all of that, and through kind of going the Bitcoin rap, down the Bitcoin rabbit hole, I started to understand and see that repetitive cycle of exactly what you say about getting away from principles and values. Um, and, and that's just kind of where I've been. It's been fascinating. Going through all that stuff helped me understand that, that money, kind of our biggest problem now, uh, was just a value and belief system. It, 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 
doesn't have any real use or, or need. It's, it's kind of what happens on either side of a transaction that money is involved in. There's where the value uh, comes in, in good values based on principles and bad values is just nothing. Um, kind of having said all that, I think the world in the last four or five years, the average person that didn't pay attention to it is starting to say, well, what is money? What is this thing that I'm just going grinding at work all day? I'm, I'm skipping my kids' stuff. I'm skipping family stuff to get this money thing. And I've done all this, and I have a big bank account, or I don't, but I'm no happier. And and so that's all kind of coming to head. And it to me, it, it seems like people are starting to realize, okay, money is not a thing. What is the thing? Which is the values and principles that you kind of talk about. And, and Jesus put it this way. It's like the most mice don't exist to run around a wheel all day long. Mm-hmm. They don't. They're, 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 they're designed for other things than just running around the wheel. And, and yet when we see mice, we see them running around, we say, ah, oh, look at the wee mouse, he's just running around the wheel. That's what a mouse does. And that's not what a mouse does. I, I always say, you have to watch, because the world wants to define our children. It wants to tell them what they're going to be. So from the minute they're born, they're, they're being defined. They're being defined by television and radio or music or what, and they're being defined. Everything they're listening to tells them that you've got to look this way, you've got to be this way, you've got to have this, you've got to do this, you've got to wear this style, you've got to follow this uh, celebrity. And, and so they're defined and defined. Then you get to 18 and you go to go to college and you've got to get a job, you've got to get a career. And that money is going to define where you live, it's going to define what you drive, it's going to define what college your kids are going to go to school, it's going to define your manner of living, it's going to define the hours that you work. And then you arrive at 65 and they give you a handshake, hand you a watch, and you step away from it all and think, I could have done more. I could have been more. In fact, I wanted to be something else or I wanted to do something else. Who told me that I had to work at that job in that office for the last 30 years and, and and I felt, you know, I always wanted to paint or I always wanted to do. And at that point, life, is, yeah, it's, it's a defined number of years. You've, you've wasted it because somebody defines you. Mm-hmm. The only one that should define us is God because he made us with mm-hmm. purpose. Mm-hmm. But we've let our generation define what's marriage or what's joy or what's entertainment. or We're just allowing other people to define us. And so... When you come to money, value systems, you know, what, what is the value system now? We're going over to cryptocurrencies right now because we realize that fiat currencies are, are all over the shop. Uh, it's, you know, for France, for the euro, for the dollar, for the yen, for the... They all have their different value systems. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> this is worth this to me. Well, it's not worth the same to me. It's worth, And so we pick one to be the benchmark and then we try to measure ourselves. And then if it doesn't suit us and we're having a bad time, we change we everything. Just change it. We just, <laughs> hey, you know what? We're not going by that benchmark. We're going to go by that one over yeah. there. It gives us more. 1930s. Gold yeah. doesn't work when you're going to introduce the U.S. dollars. Yeah. 1970s. U.S. dollars don't work when you make a fiat system. Where's so, the stability? Yeah. There is no stability. It's It depends on who has power at the time or influence at the time. Mm-hmm. And then everybody else is on the wheel. Everybody else has been defined by that small system. consensus of systems that say this is what it should be. So you've got people making policies that are predetermining what should be. And these are the ones with money who... who you know, these are the ones who take the, the benchmark and, and stick it on the side of the building. 
and these guys sit down and say, well, what's the benchmark now? Well, you know what, that one didn't work, let's do a new one. But the poor mice are still out on there, the nine to five, still on the wheel, while the other guys are changing the benchmarks for life. And one of the big things in your classes to this point um, is about finding purpose. You know, it's, it's so uh, we're, what, next week will be 34 weeks in. Mm. It's a series on money. I think mm. I showed up at week 15. You know, missed some here and there. Um, mm. We haven't really talked about money yet. That was the big eye, eye opener for me. It was, we're three classes in. I was like, okay, based on all this other stuff, I understand where this is going. And we're, we are talking about money, but mm. we're not saying money is worth X or you need you know, a million dollars in the bank to quote unquote have money. And so one of the things you said was uh, poor people talk about money, rich people talk about things, wealthy people talk about ideas. If we want to prosper in life, God will give us ideas. Yes. And, and that, in those turning periods, it feels like people start to understand that. And, and they start to seek what, or ask questions, seek answers, and get curious about what is my purpose, mm. and what is this thing? What, what makes America, fortunately, the great country that it is, is the ability, as, as people are told, to come here and live a dream. That you have the ability to take potential and discover your potential. You at least get the opportunity. Mm -hmm. Some countries, um, culturally, you know, they, it's, I always liken it to the crabs in the bucket. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, crabs will always try to climb out of the bucket. Think about the crab that's just getting over the top. Another crab grabs him by the leg to pull themselves out, but in pulling themselves out, they pull him down. And everyone's happy to stay in the bucket once you don't climb out of it. So there are societies that are just don't want you to do well. And But this country does. This country, it's why people are amassing on its borders to, to get this opportunity to exercise potential, or at least discover the opportunity to discover who and what they are. Everything exists, that exists, exists because of purpose. There is nothing. Everything that exists had a purpose, has a purpose to it. There's not one thing in this room that you look around and tell me that it doesn't have a purpose. It only exists because of a purpose. Mm -hmm. It was a purpose in somebody's mind. The thing about the thing that's created is don't ask the thing what its purpose is. You ask the creator of it what its purpose is. So, you know, I can show you something here in the room and you say, well, I don't actually know what it is, but hey, it'd make a great doorstop. Hey, you know what? I want to elevate my book here, so I'm just putting it onto the back end of it and it'll, it'll lift it up a few degrees. Hey, that's handy. That may not be what that was for. If you really want to know what it's for, you've got to go back to the person who created it. And so humanity, our purpose lies in the heart of our creator. He, he designed what we're for. Purpose is why we exist. It's the why. Potential is the abilities to fulfill that why. So each of us have different graces or talents or skills. Yours right now is your understanding of money and, and um, the systems that revolve around that. Um, and, and so you have a skill, so others, you know, can't add three digits together. I mean, once you go into double digits, they're lost. <laughs> um, but some people are just gifted with it. And so you've got graces or giftings or potentials to outwork your purposes of life. So your, your, your creator gives you a purpose. With that purpose, he gives you 
graces and gifts, which is potential or the ability to fulfill the purpose. And then as you outwork that purpose in your life, it, the, there's governing rules to allow that purpose to, to express itself, to protect the person expressing the purpose and to protect the people at the other end of the purpose being expressed. And they're called principles or laws. So God is our creator. He has the purpose for our life. And the scriptures teach us that. The giftings and graces in each of us are different, but then that's all attributed to the purpose for our life. But that's called potential. It is yet to be discovered. And then we work out that potential by staying on the benchmarks. Mm -hmm. And and, and it works. It works. The the biblical value system benchmarks, just to... Well, you call it biblical... Again, we, that's it's, it's our reference. It's right. our yep. it's our constitution. Mm-hmm. Um, you hear it here a million times. You know, our first amendment, our second amendment, mm-hmm. our, so, and everybody does life here based on their constitutional rights right. as American citizens. That's why they're here. That's what gives this country its um, its individualisms because people are allowed to to express and be, but there has to be still rules. The govern, you know, I can say whatever I want, but when does that go beyond uh, protecting? Right. Um, I have the right to protect myself, um, but when when does that become, you know, when I impose When do you that, step into the gray or over... That, correct. Yeah. So, yes, it, it is. It, so, the Word of God is a constitutional book for a governance that man is really looking for. As I've explained in that class on money, um, what man lost was God's kingdom, because that's what God intended to set up here. Adam screwed it up. Adam um, derailed the program, but man's hardwired. He's got all these potentials in him to fulfill certain things, and so he started to govern himself under sin consciousness, and he's come up with all sorts of benchmarks communism, fascism, socialism, capitalism. democracy, capitalism. I mean, we have an ism for everything. We just, we, we and what we're looking for is governance. Mm-hmm. And, and so people, if you're under bad governments, like a dictatorial system, they want to leave that and go to a democracy because at least they get a say in the matter or whatever. And so everybody's juggling. Everybody's looking for governance. Humanity from Adam to today are looking for the right governance. God originally had that intent. We're purposely built to operate within his governing system. Mm-hmm. It's how it works. And those principles protect our potentials as well. But without that guidance, we are winging it. We are, this is my standard, and that's your standard, this is your currency, that's your value system. And we're all governing ourselves as best we can. We're all looking for a utopia. What we're really looking for is the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And when you get born again and you step into a relationship with God, you begin to discover that the manual for life, for standards and values and morals, and for expectations and aspirations and for fulfilling your potential, it's all in the, it's all in the constitution of the kingdom. And do you think that's, in modern times, we call it midlife crisis? So you get to some age, Somewhere mid thirties to mid forties, maybe it's fifty, but where you kind of wake up and you it really it stems from hey I'm almost done, I didn't achieve like whatever my dreams were at eighteen twenty, um, but it kind of feels like going through your uh, 
class, Bible optics, and, and listen to you speak, that really is it's not the midlife crisis so much. It's that that's when you sort of, everybody has a different moment. They wake up and say, I'm not fulfilling my purpose, whether I'm just not doing it uh, or whether I don't even know what it is. And that sends them on that midlife crisis journey. Is, is that think, a fair assessment? I, How yeah, would you? very, very much so. I, I think it's that self-discovery mm-hmm. that what I'm doing or what I've done or what I've achieved or what I've acquired or what I've got or what I thought was security or I thought was happiness or I, I thought she was lovely because that was my standard. Hey, you know what? I forgot she changes. Mm-hmm. Oh, have a look in the mirror. You changed too. <laughs> all right, yeah. but And so all of a sudden there's this reality that the stability of what, what I was told was life isn't really what it was made out to be. I'm not as happy as I thought I would be. I'm not discovering the dreams. You know, as I often say, you know, when, when, you're, um, when you're a child, you ask a child, and what do you want to be when you grow up? You're eight years of age. What are you going to be? Oh, I want to be a fireman. I want to be an astronaut. And a real imaginative kid wants to be a crocodile. Right. <laughs> and, I've got one of those. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with that because what you can see at eight years of age is this imagination to be even a crocodile if I want to be. Now, mm-hmm. you and I as adults are thinking, how stupid is that? But it's not stupid. It is the imagination and the creativity of potential that that child is thinking, I can be whatever I want to be. Hey, I think I want to be a crocodile. I love crocodiles. Now, we know he can't, but his but, imagination thinks he can. Right. It's, it, it's not, it hasn't been uh, cropped. It hasn't been defined. He's out there. You meet the same guy at 40 years of age that comes off at his wheel to go home someday and park his car in his standard garage in his, you know, housing development, which he always thought he was going to have a special house. And it is special, but the, the, every fourth one is the same. And and he lives with his community of people instead of having, you know, his four acres of land and his, you know, his dogs and his... And, and he sort of sits and looks at life and thinks... God, I remember the day when I wanted to be a crocodile. Mm-hmm. Lost that imagination. And you talk about um, what knowledge really is, lightness, darkness. And mm-hmm. then uh, you've got a quote, I never can remember it, about um, the teacher and how the, it's not what the teacher teaches, but it's the student through curiosity that, that teaches the teacher. When we lose that quest for and the passion to use our imagination, we we're, 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 we're defeated. It's gone. It, when you take that away from somebody, when you take the creativity, the potential, and it's like whoever's come up with crypto or the, the internet or whatever, these are people that have, are thinking outside of what they see. Mm-hmm. They see needs and they see problems. I always refer to the Chinese and Japanese languages that don't have their word for problem is the word opportunity. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. That's like you go ask them. They don't have a word for problem. They, they, they see a problem as an opportunity. Right. But it's always the creative, imaginative individual that, that fixes that problem. And so somebody saw currencies and, and, the, and the value systems and thought, this is all over the shop. Yeah. This keeps getting changed all the time. I don't want to do this. I want to, if I'm going to work for something, I want to work for something that's going to be there when I want it, when I need it. And I don't want you telling me what it's worth or not because it was my time, my energy, my effort, and my 
potential, my aspiration, my imagination. And then you turn and say, you know what? I know you've worked for all that, but we're going to totally devalue that. So everything you've saved and everything that's under the mattress, we decided it's of no value. And that's where it comes into my world. Um, I've always, you know, for lack of better words, love money, not the sense of loving money in a bad way, but mm-hmm. just yeah. it's, a, it's a tool for communication. Mm. It, it transfers value through the way you communicate. It's that standard unit throughout the world. Right now it's dollars, and, and that you know very likely is changing, but it could take another decade, two decades. Um, but you know, Hal Finney, uh, Nick Zabo, Adam Back, those guys were the early pioneers and, and, and created portions of Bitcoin and created that new system that solves the problem that we sit here in today. Mm. And it's store of value like the 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 problem in the world isn't enough money or not enough money or enough credit and not enough credit or enough jobs and not enough jobs it's the lack of a savings mechanism for the average person across just globally globally you got people in africa that don't have any kind of money same over in asia you got people in the u.s that are wealthiest in the world uh canadians they do well central america is kind of in the middle uh but the problem is the money, the monetary system is broken. And, and so what Bitcoin does, and it's kind of interesting when you look at the deeper components of Bitcoin, how it works, how it operates, how the consensus mechanism decides the rules, the laws which are laid out in the BIP process, and the way that you, know, you or I can't just go in there and change it. Like you can't go change a passage in the Bible. Like it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, now Bitcoin, you could have people recommend updates and it goes through a lengthy process and as long as enough developers agree and say this is not going to ruin the basis which is kind of what we do in church Mm -hmm. like hey we're going to teach the message we might draw something out that that turns on a light bulb for somebody it was written in the king james version it was written in this but here's the deal the principle doesn't change correct you can add these those and those to it you Mm -hmm. can you can modify the 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 linguistic of it, but you don't change the principle of right. it. The because principle. That, that modification stirs somebody's purpose. Uh, when you hear it a certain way, and you think, oh, oh that, I get that now. Yeah. And and so you come in with the, the, the Bitcoin scenario, you know, and you find a, a, a common denominator that is a solution to a problem. Mm-hmm. Somebody discovered it, somebody thought, saw the, 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 the problem, and took the opportunity to endeavor to solve it. In solving it, they came up with the algorithms or whatever that suit and say, hey, this works. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Everybody can buy into it. And, and we've got this common denominator. Now we can modify that, but the principle will stand. Right. And if you can do that and it doesn't keep redefining itself, mm-hmm. there's a difference between totally redefining something or modifying something. Right. So we take the word of God and we modify it to every generation. As man evolves, we modify what, and, and and that's where I think religion and even Bitcoin gets a bad um, rap because they are so harsh in terms of the laws and like these are the laws and values you're not changing them. Like it just is. You either believe in the brand and you get behind it, or you go start your own church your own sect of religion. Mm. You know, so they're both very tribal in nature. They can be, I'm a better Christian than you are a Catholic. I'm mm-hmm. a better 
uh, Christian than you are, whatever, you know, um, it's the same thing. My coin's better than your coin. Yeah. I'm a Bitcoiner, so that means XRP's crap or Cardano. Uh, but the reality is, uh, and this sort of, in my opinion, what we're seeing play out is that Bitcoin solves the problem of lack of a savings mechanism. System's broken, just like in the 30s. Gold was that standard, and gold still skin. Gold's the only money to last throughout man time, mm-hmm. the only one to survive. So gold was that standard unit, but it couldn't get around the world fast enough. So they create fiat currency or U.S. dollars tied Base to it. Money, yeah. Then they took it off, and now you had like 120 whatever currencies around the world because you still had that problem of supply-demand. And so like people in China might not need dollars, or they can't get enough dollars, so they have their own currency. That's fine. You go into the market, you use yours or you use theirs. And so we're just at that point with Bitcoin and, and the current system where it's all broken down and we got to find something that gets us back to those principles and values of what money is to store value throughout time. So that if I do work today, I get paid for it and it's worth more tomorrow, which means it buys me more goods or services tomorrow because we're going to need them. We evolve. We go mm-hmm. up. We're, we're going to want things. Uh, we're going to need things. And uh, our current system, if I do work today... If I don't spend it by next Friday, I get less. Mm-hmm. So my my lifestyle goes down very quickly, and we've got that big divide. Yeah. Um, and so you've got these other cryptocurrencies, these other altcoins, that are really fulfilling a different part of what is needed for value to transfer. Mm-hmm. So Bitcoin's that base store of value. you got all these other currencies that are kind of the integrations that will connect systems and people so they can communicate whatever their value is just like you have you know a bunch of different religions there's a handful of them that you know they're praying to idols and and that's Mm -hmm. not good but by and large your religion what you grew up in what church you believe in and and the ways with which you follow those value principles depend on where you were born in the world sure we can't we have zero control but the basis of the main religions is you know do good love each other multiply um, be productive, do work. Mm. Uh, so I, I, I see a lot of similarities. There are, because we got to remember, because we're hardwired mm-hmm. by our Creator to do kingdom under certain principles. Mm-hmm. We're hardwired for it. So there's a common denominator with humanity throughout generations. We, we, just, we, we just deviate from it uh, based on... Um, generationally where we are or whoever has influence at the time. Well, it's, it's a benchmark standards that you talked about earlier or if you read through the Bible, um, wicked leaders. It, throughout thousands of years, you have good leaders, mm-hmm. they die, they get old, somebody in comes in, they're a little bit greedier, mm-hmm. you know, and then the next guy's even more, and then... It's why God is against globalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, not because he doesn't want the world to be united, but he realizes that under sin consciousness, the way man's hardwired, that you put somebody in charge, he can he can easily sway to his baser nature and want it all for himself or use it to manipulate others that are lesser or not as intuitive as they are. And all of a sudden, it, it becomes totally imbalanced. And, and there was a quote from, from your class, uh, I'll just read it here, that was really good. It's kind of a good spot to bring that in. Um, the quote is, nobody is trying to fix the problems we have in, the, in this country. Everyone is trying to make enough money so that the problems don't apply to them anymore. 
God didn't give us all the talent, resources, ability to work, etc., just for ourselves. He gave it to us to be a conduit for it to flow to others, to help others. Mm. And to me, when I hear that, it's just a perfect analogy of what's going on today in our money, in our society, uh, in our country's uh, geopolitical issues and infighting. Um, I just wanted to kind of bring that up, and, and maybe you can follow up on that piece. When the Bible says, for God so loved the world, in, in, in one portion, and yet in another says, love not the world, neither the things that are in it, the love, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Is God schizophrenic? I mean, he says, love the world. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. And then, love not the world, and don't be a friend of the world. And if you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. I mean, where? What? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, today, everybody has one wife. Back in those days, you had four, five, six, ten, whatever. We shouldn't fight, but back in biblical times, hey, let's start a war. They were all over the shop. So what was God talking about? God loves the people in the world. When it says God so loved the world, he's talking about the people that are in it. He loves people. He made us. He's our, he's our creator, and every one of us have a purpose, and we all have potential to fulfill that. And we're all unique as unique as your fingerprint and the graces and gifts and your outlook on 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 life contributes to the general whole what god hates when it says love not the world he's talking about the system that we've now found ourselves in under sin and he doesn't like that system because here's what the world does the system that we are live we all live in it teaches us to get for ourselves get more money get yourself protect yourself money is the is the security of our, our generation so and it has power and and stability so if you get it then well no matter what's going on around you at least you have your savings for a rainy day you know mm-hmm. some people live their life and 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 they, they live miserly lives but they've got all this money stacked for a rainy day so you know and then they end up you know getting old but they still won't spend it because it's for a rainy day and and their security becomes this nest egg of of this worldly thing yeah and and god says no i don't want you to do that i actually designed you to give yourself away Mm -hmm. you have gifts and talents and graces and solutions and ideas and creativity that is you and i want you to be a crocodile what is it you want to be i think i think i can when he stopped the Tower of Babel, he did it because he realized these guys can do whatever they want. Whatever they, it says in, in that portion in, in Genesis 11, whatever they imagine to do, they can do it. God made them. He knows their imagination can do anything if you're able to dream it. And that's a huge point because at some, you know, I have young kids and I'm starting to see that transition where they're super imaginative and they come up with all this creativity and they do all these things. But as they start to get kind of in that preteen mode they start to lose it and and it's so you know that it came from the world it didn't it didn't come because they didn't start that way no you've got to stimulate it though but that's what's wrong we don't we hand them a you know a laptop or something and and we put them on facebook you got to get the child a phone well i'm getting the child a phone not because i want them to go on facebook but i want to know where they are i want them to be able to contact me Mm -hmm. and and so that's that's the excuse and then you don't realize that you know you shut the door and say well we closed off the world but your kids are sitting up in the bedroom with the world mm, at their fingertips now beating them and, and optically and audibly and you don't realize it but 
somebody's influencing somebody. Yeah. And if you're not influencing your children, and they're not being an influence, and somebody's influencing them. And so, yes, you're right. The creativity is stifled out of them as they start to grow older. It's only when you come to Christ that you realize, hold on, I can be who I'm meant to be. And, and as I said, it's because we're hardwired to be creative and whatever. Our problem with, with the, each generation is it's the ones with influence that define what the rest do. Right. And some people lose track of, it's like a, it's like a brainwashing thing. Well, it's where you, as you talked about earlier, and this is true in the book, Fourth Turning, Sovereign Individual, it lays it all out. They're deep. Um, and it's a little bit hard to read because you're like, whoa, they just nailed this stuff. But it's that the further you get away from the guys that fought World War II, they kind of came out of that with this scarcity, like, hey, I've got to save because I've seen what happens. You come through the Depression if you don't have enough money. And then by the time you get to the 70s, those kids, those parents, they didn't live like not knowing if they were going to eat. Mm. And so we get to today where me and my kids are like, oh, it's not Christmas. Who cares? Let's go to the store and buy something because yeah. we want it now. And, yeah. and we can and, you know, I can get credit or I have enough of that savings to be able to do it. Um, and that cycle flips because sure. we don't understand that uh, not having it. Just like those people, it at the beginning of their life, that's all they knew. I don't have it. I've kind of got a hoard, which is not good, but that's what gets baked in. And by the end of their life, they're like, oh, this is cool. I'm retired. I can just go on trips. And so it's this vicious cycle. This particular generation has been totally dumbed down. Right. Totally. Right. Most of our kids couldn't survive two weeks if all the power went out. They wouldn't know how to cook a meal. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't know how to make food. They wouldn't know how to wash their clothes they wouldn't know how to do it they wouldn't know where to get water they, they wouldn't know they, they don't have the skill sets they've lost it all because they've left it to a microwave or something else to do it for them and and the skill sets have been stolen and so all you gotta do is turn the lights out for six months and it it's panic and that's a big piece that I think the Bible and other resources that are kind of wisdom based are backed it teaches you uh, not to want or desire money. Look, we've got to have it to exist. In, in this, I mean, like to wear clothes and all. you got to have some form of money, but it teaches you to be resourceful. And, and when you understand being resourceful, you have a different uh, process, a different confidence because you know, like, well, hey, hey, if my bank account goes from 100000 to 1000 I can figure it out. Yeah. Whereas if you're not baked in those values and principles and understand being resourceful, you're like, my bank account went from a hundred thousand to eighty. Now I'm freaked out. I'm not going to be able to eat next week. <laughs> As I said, what what's missing in every generation is we're hardwired to do kingdom, and mm -hmm. uh, we don't because people don't even preach it. Religion doesn't truly teach it anymore or, 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 or at all, and and so even the church, everybody's running after money because. Uh, Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, money answers all things. Now, that's not, it's a true statement for the, the system we're in Correct. because it answers everything. Money, money is... And that's kind of the point I was making. Like, we live in the world. 
Money is that communication yeah. piece. Now, see, God knows we need that. Yeah. But he doesn't want us to put our trust in it because the benchmark of that keeps getting changed all the time. Right. And the ones who have it are the ones who influence everybody else and puts them all on the on the wheel mm-hmm. and, and then taxes them. And, and so they're working for the guy at the top that does nothing, who just came up with the idea. Mm-hmm. And so... And then people waste their whole life not being creative, but just surviving to get money because money answers all things. And and we've seen this before again throughout history is repetitive. In the fourteen fifteen hundreds, it was separation of church and state, mm. where uh, you had to go to the priest or you had to go um, to the kings and whatnot to get approved to tell you how you should pray, live, and be. And the people finally were like, "This doesn't make any sense because you're being a hoodlum." And I'm living this straight and narrow life, like something's off, and so they separated. And so now, here we are, you know, a couple hundred, few hundred years later, and we're sitting here at separation of money and state. Mm. Because why would you separate them? Because the wicked, the leaders, the people that are like, hey, this works for me, it doesn't work for you, don't worry about it. Exactly. So you can redefine the principles mm-hmm. and make your own. Right. So separate. We don't want church interfering with our principles we don't want anybody to come along and say hey by the way there's an older standard than yours there's a greater set or a higher standard of morals than yours hey people have been using this particular principle for decades and you know what seems to work or at least it brought them through it brought us to here now we don't want to hear that now anymore you know it's aliens i mean let's face it there is no god it's there's just extraterrestrials Oh, okay. And, and and you get a generation that just have lost their imagination. And that's the wonderful thing about the Internet. It broke that barrier to knowledge, just like the printing press broke that barrier to knowledge back in the day. And once that happened, people were like, wait a second. This is the message being delivered, but when I go over here, this source that's, you know, some of it's fake news, but reality is you can research enough to find the mm. true source, put cobble together enough things to connect the dots and yeah. find out the real knowledge. And and so that changes the direction of, of the way we evolve. Mm. And so that same process is now uh, baked into Bitcoin because it operates in the same layered manner as TCPIP, which is the backbone of the internet. And so it's breaking that barrier to like, how do we use money? What's the purpose of money? And how do we better use our money to communicate our values, beliefs, and and, and the principles that we all should live by? There's an equality. Mm-hmm. Um, and an equality, or I'll put it to you this way. Um, People have this idea, all men are equal. Mm-hmm. All men aren't equal, no. but they all have equal opportunity, or mm-hmm. at least they should have. Mm-hmm. Now, if they don't take advantage of the opportunity, at least they're given it, but they don't take it, or they right. don't work, or they want to lie in bed. At some point, they chose. Yeah, yeah not to, to lie in bed and not do any work. Yeah. Hey, for the diligent, you'll prosper. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the Bible says if you're like the hinge on a door, you know, you're evolved from your bed to your, you know, and you don't do anything else, you're going to... Well, it tells you, get up, don't don't lay in bed, get yeah, up, go do work. Exactly. But, you know, so somebody who does just revolves around the bed like a hinge of a door, it's stuck to the wall, and, you know, then they turn around and say, well, you know, I'm poor, I, I, I don't get to do what others do. Well, if you get up and work, you would. Mm-hmm. So it's not that they don't have, it's just that they won't apply their opportunity. Right. So we all have, we're, we're not equal 
but we all have equal opportunity. And that's what the Bible does. It, it gives us the opportunity and the, the laws and the, the, the instruction as to how to do it, but not everybody mm-hmm. does. Well, it takes great teachers like yourself, lecturers like yourself, to help the rest of us see that and understand it because the average person gets so wrapped up in what their neighbors are doing or, or what their family tells them they should do that um, you get you, you lose sight of that and a lot of what we do in our our you know wealth management practices it's you know money is a tool it, it has no value it, it just depends on how you use it you can only save it invest it you can only pay your living expenses you got to pay taxes we can't get out of that um, and you have debt. Debt is a bad thing, but only if you're using it to not invest in assets. A home's an asset. A car, even though it's said to be a liability, is an asset because it gets you to your job. It gets you wherever you want to go. Mm. Um, so that's all you can do with it. But to sit here and just collect so the dollars bank, so yeah. that the you know somebody adds another zero to the right side of your bank account, that's, that's not money, but that's what money is turned into. So what... Other than the, the the physical asset of a, of a thing, you know, buy a house, buy a car, and um, take a holiday, do whatever. Uh, what about the emotional side of us? What about the relational connect with the rest of society? Uh, there's things that money can't buy. Right. It's totally limited. Mm-hmm. Money, although it seems to answer things, truly only has a small window of 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 um of influence, mm-hmm. and it you can't buy that purpose that you talk. You can't. You can't. You, you can't buy. As I said, all it can do is provide a maybe better environments, mm-hmm. but it can't. Doesn't change you unless, of course, you know you feel more secure with it. Or, but then you know you, you can acquire all those zeros if you want. And only to find out that you've busted yourself, you know, on the treadmill getting all those zeros uh, to arrive at 60 odd years of age then and, and end up with heart disease or something. Mm-hmm. And then you take all of those zeros and they all start falling off mm-hmm. uh, when you go in to get medication or to a hospital or whatever. And they, they take all of your treadmill money uh, just to keep you alive. Well, and that is a good point because a lot of what we see in our line of business um, is that parents, individuals, uh, even young people. I, I've got to get to this number because I leave, need to leave my kids this, this money because if they don't start with this amount, they're never going to make it. Well, I didn't start with any money. I had great parents, had great grandparents. Mm-hmm. Uh, later in life, I've learned the lessons that they taught that you mm-hmm. didn't kind of catch. But if you really want to leave them something valuable, it's the laws and the principles that helped them find their purpose faster than you did. The, the, once you found that purpose, your money will help you hone those skills and the potential. Mm. But if you want to leave them something, leave them the lessons and the value system, not the value in a number. Exactly, because money is totally limited. It, it doesn't give you character. In fact, it's very, it, it steals your character. Mm-hmm. Um, if you'll allow it, if you don't control it, it'll pervert your character. Mm-hmm. It doesn't give you character. It doesn't give you true love. It doesn't give you um, achievements. I mean, the, 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 you know, when, in 2008, whenever they were jumping off of buildings yeah. um, because their world collapsed. Mm-hmm. It didn't give them the happiness, the joy, the peace. That's why Jesus said, look, it, do you think your life is all about what you eat 
what you wear, and so on and so forth. He said, for goodness sake, look at the birds, look at the lily. I, I, do, I do stuff you don't even think about, and I take care of it every day. And birds are, they, they do what birds do. I take care of the birds. They don't sow in barns, they don't do anything. They do what they were designed to do, and I take care of them. He said, look at the lilies of the field, for goodness sake. Solomon, in all his finery, couldn't produce those colors in his clothing, and yet I do those colors all the time in nature, in the roses and the plants and whatever. I do it all the time. Flowers just be flowers, and I take care of them. Birds be birds, and I take care of them. He says, so what do you do you think you, I put you down there so that all you do, do every day from the day you're born is to be defined, to get a job, to live life for what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear or where you're going to live and, and so on and so forth. He said, do you think that that's what I made you for? He said, you've totally, he said, that's what heathen do. The people that don't have God, that's what they think. I've got, I'm worried about all that. He says, I want you to be what I created you to be and I'll take care of you. I look after it. And being is your purpose. And potential is the outworking of it. And the principles are the guardrails for it. And if you will just go and be what God called you to be and do what God called you to do and do it within the confines of the, the constitution of a kingdom, which he, which we're hardwired to do, not our own governances, but come back to his governance, it works. It's almost like, honestly, if you understand what money is and how it works... If you want to know what not to do, seek money. Because it really just teaches you, hey, don't do that. Because the money is the driver of all the things that lead to you away from purpose. Exactly. And, and they're a false perception of success. They're a success is not measured on how much money you have. Success is measured on whether you fulfilled your purpose. And talk about that. Um, you know, we have this idea of wealth as, uh, hey, if I retire today with two or three million dollars I'm wealthy enough to make it but in God's eyes in the kingdom's eyes in the Bible's mm. eyes wealth is none of that what, what is that because the kingdom firstly that we're hardwired for money doesn't exist money's not an issue it's a kingdom the king looks after everything he owns the cattle on a thousand hills he owns the silver and the gold by the way so God's well able in God's economy the manifesto of the kingdom you know, when you have the Republicans and the Democrats asking you to vote, they come out and say, well, here's what we promise to do. If you elect us in, we'll do this with the money that we have and we'll build roads, we'll build back better, we'll, you know, make, whatever, it, the make everything, whatever the narrative is. And everyone buys into this promise. And, and, and that's what they do. They, 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 they have this manifesto. So we have this health thing, we're going to do this with health, we're going to do this for veterans, whatever. God hardwired us human beings to operate in a kingdom where there's a king it's a theocracy and he takes care of everything we, we just get to be a, a, extend the image of who he is and what he is and the creativity that he's designed into all of us to make things and do things and push the envelope away out there that's why God doesn't want to do anything for us in the sense of Jesus did it all and now he says you know you go do it now I got you the victory over what was your problem. Well, that's what you talked about in class. One of the uh, sessions was that 
you know, God created Adam, and, and he didn't say, hey, you're going to need a chair and table, so let me just give you those two. He said, here's a tree. Yeah. You, you, go do something. You want your kids to, you can't keep putting their children's socks on. Mm-hmm. You know, he's 18 years of age. Son, get up. Your legs are hairy. Put your own socks on. You know, I can't be doing this for you. You don't want to solve their problems. You want them to solve their problems. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times we're looking to God to solve our problems, and God is saying, for goodness sake, I hardwired you to solve problems. Mm-hmm. So go fix it. It's an issue, but that issue is an opportunity for your imagination and creativity to solve it. What we've done with the, with the world in which we live in is that the people with have defined what is life, uh-huh. and they define it as the acquisition of money. So what's the best way? I mean, you've got Bible Optics, which is you do on Facebook, it's Tuesdays, you do a mm. bunch of other classes. Uh, we're doing this thing here. Mm. Um, what's the best way for just everybody to sort of Know, approach that wake-up call, take it by the horns, and and find that purpose. I mean, it may be a little bit open-ended, hard question. But. No, it's not. It's not. I mean, the reality of it is, you'll never find you till you find God. Mm-hmm. You can't. I can't define, can I can't define your purpose of life because I didn't create you. Mm-hmm. If you want to know the purpose of the thing, don't ask the thing. Ask the creator of it. That's what it was. The genie. So we sit down here on, on earth and rub the lamp, God give me this. Yeah. But that's not the intent of, of his system that he's designed the kingdom. He wants you to ask the questions that lead you to, yes. to learn. Not, not give me, but how do I? When he came down and saw them building the Tower of Babel, the Godhead came down and applauded the guys and said, these guys can do and they're trying to build a tower to heaven. He said, if I don't stop it, they'll do it. He said, I have to stop this. And, and all I can do until I fix the problem, because our imaginations are just gone, they're using it. They're going to be alligators. He says, yeah, they'll be whatever they want to be. He says, I think what I'll do is I'll, I'll just confuse the languages, and, and that will slow the process of, of, of achievements down. But, you know, we're getting smart again. Now we're starting to speak different languages or, or, or communicate better and our world is becoming global again. And if, if it's not, if the imagination is not honed into the proper principles, then you've got people going around telling us science says this and so-and-so says that and, and everybody else is so dumbed down. That's why the Bible says that part of the change of the Christian life is to be not conformed to the dumbing down of the system that has dumbed down your life, but mm-hmm. be transformed, metamorphosized, by changing your thinking again. Right. And so really, the only way to get out of the, 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 the off the tread wheel, uh, of the little wheel that the mouse is on, the only way to get off of it is to find God. And then God will start to help you find you, and then in doing so, you'll start to find the purpose and the potential and the dreams and the aspirations and the giftings and the potentials that, that you are possessed with and you start to do things. I, I've known people in, in ministry, I've known people who were doctors and engineers. I mean, had high paying, great jobs and came on a missions trip with us to here, there or wherever, only to discover that they loved doing that more than they loved doing this. Mm-hmm. And they went home and quit doing that to go do something else. And you thought, well, why would you want to quit being a doctor? I mean, how, how important a job is that 
We said, well, my mom was a doctor and my dad was a doctor, and so uh, the next thing to do was go to college and go off be to med school and be a doctor. And, and, and I became a doctor, and you know what? I don't want to be a doctor. I wanted to be a crocodile. <laughs> but they wanted me to be a doctor, so I became a doctor. And then I found Christ, or I had got Christ in my life, but when I got to the mission field and I saw the need and the problem, I thought, I can fix that. I've got skill sets. I've got an imagination. I've got a passion. That really stirs my passion up. I don't want to be a doctor. I want to be a crocodile. And then all of a sudden they come back and say, you know what? There's your certificate. I'm going back to be a crocodile, if you understand the analogy. And I've watched people leave six-figure and seven-figure jobs to go do what brings joy and happiness and fulfillment and makes them live life like never before. And they weren't making money decisions. They were making purpose decisions. So, point there being is, and you've said it, something along the lines of, you know, don't ask God for things. Don't say, God, give me a million dollars because it will allow me to leave my job. Instead, it's more of, God, what is my purpose? Show me what I should be doing rather than what I am doing. Your purpose, if you do it, will provide for you. People will pay you for your purpose. Mm-hmm. If you're good at what you do, which is uniquely you, like your, your, like your fingerprint or whatever, if you would find who you are and what you do and do it, then people will start paying you for that. And that's baked into our system, but we don't <laughs> see it because people say, don't follow the money, follow your passion. Yeah, you run into those points where, hey, maybe your passion isn't your purpose and you not enough people will pay you to, to, to wear clothes and eat, but that's a different question. But we, you, it's baked into our world. It just seems like no, not a lot of people listen to it. When you see a gift, you recognize it straight away. You, you rec- everybody recognizes a gift. So you get somebody who can sing, you know, a Celine Dion that can hit, hit notes that the average person can. It's a gift. Mm-hmm. It's It's hardwired into her purpose and potential. God give that gift to her. I mean, it's a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, or you get these other people and, and you see them skilled at whatever it is that they do. Phenomenally, as entertainers or art and craft or expressions of, of creativity and, 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 and you see it. You see these painters or sculptors or engineers that design and you think, oh my God, where was that? That was, that was in that guy's head. Or leaders. It was in their head, and then, and and you watch them, and you think, see, this is what's wrong. We try to be like other people when we really need to be ourselves. If you go be yourself, you'll stand out from everybody else because you are uniquely you. And when you do you well, other people will come to you because the gift that is, you are the gift. And then they'll pay you for what you is. And that's when he hated about the system, because the system was everybody takes what they can get from it for themselves and keep it and hoard it and save it and don't let anybody ask, I'm better than you because I've got more of it. Right. And because I hate that system. I, I don't love that world. The world I love is when I put you, the individual, the unique fingerprinted, you know, uh, irisly, you know, optically different individual from any and everybody else. So unique DNA. When I put you in the system, your job is to be you and give you away to your generation. 
Yeah, he, it was a rich young ruler one time came to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, firstly, you know, you don't inherit. You, you, he, he Find your purpose. Yeah. He said, uh, well, I'll tell you what you do. He says, well, what does the principle say? Oh, he said, well, the principle say, you know, don't do this and don't do that and do that and do this. And Jesus says, and? He goes, well, I do that to the best of my ability. He goes, well, that's why you're a rich young ruler. He said, but let me go one better for you. He said, why don't you just take everything you've attained, give it all away, give it, give it to the poor, and then come on and follow me and I'll show you something better. I'll help you be you better than you know. Because you, you've been doing you pretty good, but I have a better you to discover. But let's get rid of that and come follow me and I'll give you. And the guy couldn't do it because money had him. He thought, no, no, I want this. And he goes, you just missed it. You know, you were doing good. I mean, you were, it was working to a degree, but then that stuff, you know, as he says in, in, in the Gospels, money, in the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things enter in and choke the words like a weed it just it takes over everything i gotta have more of it well hey you've, you know you've got 10 million dollars i mean if you just took a salary from that every week from now to you know you, you could live on that mm -hmm. on the lifestyle you're living now you could live on that for the next 20 30 years but no now you you've got to put another zero because you want a hundred but you never spend it but no but i want it and i want to be able, and, and and it just it's like a weed it chokes everything motivation purpose People lose their kids, their marriage, their joy, their peace, just for this stuff, this aspiration of security. Your real security is you, being you. What I'm doing right now is me. And it's just me, it's just what I do. And you know what? If I'll be me, I'll give myself to the world and die empty, then God will take care of me in this world. And so it's really what it's all about. It's, it's getting to give yourself away. So I'm glad somebody's fixing the, the money issues. Mm -hmm. uh, as long as man is outside of the principle, because God wants us to trust him. Mm -hmm. It's a hard thing to do when the narrative in society says, you know, the, you, you got to worship the dollar. Yeah. And well, and, and I mean, that's a good point. We are in the process of fixing the money. We're building a new system just like we did before. But if you look at... 5,000 years of money, mm. um, you know, you can love Bitcoin all you want. And yeah, there's only 21 million, we lost 4 million, there's 17, 18 million left. And there's another 100 years before the, 120 years before the last one is mined in 2140. Uh, that's cool, but the average reserve currency is I think 27 years, or, or sorry, average currency's life is 27 years. Mm. The average reserve is 90 years. <laughs> so the reality is, we're just going to repeat the process again. Of course. Yeah. And do you think they didn't the know that? Do you yeah. think they didn't know that when they were making the rules? But it's because... We just need a better one today to get us through whatever's next. Yeah, but he, even that. No, the reality of it is what man is needing is what Jesus came Correct. to, to yeah. give us. Yeah. That, that's what we need. Yep. And the thing about the church and whatever is we're still locked into the system that tells us this is our source of... Because, you know... I. I, I can be as spiritual as I like, but when I go to Publix, i got to pay for the groceries. I can't yeah. just say, you know, rub the lamp and say, oh, Jesus, come and pay. He, well, that's the point. You don't <laughs> rub the lamp and say, Jesus, give me groceries. Yeah. You say, Jesus, what do I need to do to be able to eat? Yeah. Like, and, what's and, that? and truly the best thing is to be you mm -hmm. because it's natural to you to be you. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be someone else. 
Why would I want to be you? Why would you want to be me? People say, well, you I'd know. be smarter, but. Yeah, but, yes. you know, but, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, we, no, we no, look no. at these other people and think, gosh, I want to be like him or I want to be like. Why? Yeah. Why? Why can't you just be you? But see, people don't teach that anymore. They define you. We let this world define us. Mm -hmm. So, what, they're, what they'll do, uh, hopefully, is they'll bring in a better system that levels the playing field for another while. Right. That's really all it'll do. And, and talk about leveling the playing field. You see a lot of virtue signaling around equality and diversity and all that stuff. And, mm. you know, you look under the hood, especially in, like, the ESG space, um, uh, environmental, social, socially responsible governance or, or mm. whatever it is. And you look under the hood at the companies, and they're the same rotten companies <laughs> that everybody says, well, I don't like oil because it's like... It's the same thing. It's a narrative. It's virtue signaling. But if you really want to look at it and you look at this monetary system and we have this one unit that the world has said this is the only money that really counts, the, the U.S. dollar, well, it's, it's divisible by 100. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then I have this other currency, this upstart currency that's you know silly internet funny money called Bitcoin. It's divisible by 100 million units. So I've got infinite supply divisible by 100. I've got 21 million units divisible, divisible by. by 100 million. So if I have two decimal places, can I support more people than I can when I have eight decimal places? Obviously. That's, which one would create more equality? Well, more decimal places. Correct. Yeah, and so it, it helps to level the play. All it'll do is it'll help society... Um, it'll go corrupt again it's just the way it's going to go uh, the kingdom is what we're after everything else is broken uh, man is endeavoring to self-govern as best he can um, and money is the root of man's baser aspirations I just need to get it, and the reason I want it is because I don't want to have to suffer what the rest of you do. And that's what, when, when we open up, it's like, I love money, but yeah. I don't love money in a sense that... The love of money. Yeah. That I, I let it define me. I mean, yeah. we all do it, mm. periods. Mm. Um, I think that's part of finding your purpose is, mm. you know, figuring out what role money plays, and, and, and you go through periods where you don't have it or you do I have it. I think you nailed it there. It, it's not that there's anything wrong. It's, it's no more than the, there's, there's anything wrong with, you know, having a car. It, it, you just have to drive it correctly. Mm -hmm. um, it's like owning a gun. It, the, the, the gun's not the problem. It's the person holding the gun. Right. The Money's not the problem. It's this false narrative of security. And that's what God is, is, is saying. He, even for a believer, I mean, he said, look, trust me, but I do know you need money. I do. Yeah. I understand that. I understand the system is broken, and this is the way it's set up. And I will take care of you in it, but I don't want you to idolize it. You idolize me. Well, and, and to that point, he doesn't say, "Go work and hoard." He says, "Go work, be fruitful, of multiply." So if if I get money and hoard it for myself and my kids and just my immediate mm -hmm. family. Am I being fruitful and no. multiplying? If I go and work and create a lot of money that allows me to employ more people yes. or start a business or um, you know whatever, just give money away, yeah. which is a lot of what we do with our clients that, yeah. that's unique to the wealth management space. Yeah. 
Um, if I do that, it's following those principles and the laws in the Bible. Now, you're nobody's going to be perfect. You're, we all have... You're blessed to be a blessing. Yeah. That's what it's for. Mm -hmm. I, my gift is not for me. I already have everything that is me. Everything that... My skill sets, and I already have that. Why would I? Why? Why would I keep that? That's not what is me is not for me. What is me is for you right. and for others. And what is you is not for you because mm -hmm. you already have it. Yep. It's for me. So you will find your greatest fulfillment in life is when you give what is you to me and to others around you, right. and you help and and solve and resolve and cater to and. It's, it's when you be productive, which. You know, you could, you could argue in the last 20 years that everybody wants to be the Tim Ferriss four-hour work week. You know, how do I be the least amount of productive, take home the most amount of money so I can buy as much things as I want? You flipped it around, you flipped, yeah. you flipped it around the, the wrong way. Right. He the told way. Adam, I mean, Adam was in a garden that God had planted. It was perfect. It had everything. And the first thing God told Adam before his wife ever showed up, right? He put him in the garden told him to work. Mm-hmm. Work is the only way to extract your potential. Correct. That's what it's for. The, the word work means become. Mm -hmm. So he put Adam in the garden, basically, and said, be you. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Do it. Find the chair. Find, oh God, I want, I want a roof over me. I want, don't ask me. Go do it. Mm -hmm. go, go figure it out. Go figure it out. And when you figure it out, you know what? Give it out. Give it away. Mm -hmm. And he asks you to be curious. Of course. Yep. And it, and you know today, people have almost lost that curiosity. We're, we're seeing a rebirth. You know, kind of in in as much flack as the millennials and Gen Z get, but they're doing it with because they're beginning to realize because they have access to knowledge. Mm -hmm. What they're realizing is it's not the access to knowledge as it's the ability to disseminate what they're actually accessing. Mm -hmm. So having a head full of knowledge is really useless unless you know how to apply that knowledge to life, which is wisdom. Right. But they have, I mean, you can Google anything you want and get access to knowledge like generations never could. If you have those foundations and the principles and the values and, and, and the productive uh, or ingrained with the productive sense, wow, you can learn anything you want anything internet. you want and, and you influence you don't need a CFA you don't need an MBA you don't need uh, a Wharton degree no. I mean sure those things will expose you to I've never to been to Bible school I couldn't afford it and it, it was the reality of it we didn't have the money to do it we were sort of winging it believing God and, and God and, and there's always been bread on our and how many years have you made it nearly 40 years okay trust in God and it works there's always been food on our table. There's, our presses have always been filled. We've never lacked. We've never gone hungry. Never. And you're probably doing right now, uh, the last few years with the Bible optics and, and whatever else you do mm. in that realm, the, the most purpose and passion that you've ever... Because I'm wiser. Right. I have the years. I, I'm, I'm older and, and I've, you know, I've been there, done that, got t-shirt. I've, I've been on, on, I've watched life. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm getting to be myself better than I've ever been before and I'm more passionate about it because I've discovered my purpose of life once you discover it I mean it's like 
here it is, just give it away. Just keep giving it away. Mm -hmm. The thing about it is the more you give away, the more God gives. And the Be more God gives, the more you want to give it away. And all of a sudden, it's like, if, if I hold up an, an apple and ask you, what, what's in this apple? What well, the truth potentially is there's a forest in it. Mm -hmm. It's only one apple. If you plant the seed. If you would work the principle of that apple, what you're holding is a forest. Now it's just an apple. But the world tells, yeah, the world says it's just an apple. Just an apple. No, it's not an apple. It's a forest. It, it, but if you can harness its principles, you're not holding an apple. You're holding an orchard. Mm -hmm. It all depends on your optic. God wants us to see our lives. That what I have inside me, what I'm given, is an is, is an orchard. It's a fire. It'll propagate itself in my kids and my kids' kids, and, and, and God thinks generationally. He always does. We think, oh, it's an apple. I'm going to eat it. You know, it's, it's my apple. And that's a lot of what we teach in our practices. Uh, you know, if legacy is important to you, I mean, it should be important to everybody. Everybody. If you want to create better generations, if, you want, if you're poor and you came into money and you don't want your kids to be poor, don't give them the money. Give them the lessons pass that down to the generations below you. Principles. Yeah. Life is lived on principles. And, and Solomon deals with that in Ecclesiastes. If anybody had the ability to do all the things you could ever do with money, Solomon did it. Mm -hmm. And Solomon makes a statement and says, you know what, why would you bust yourself working to build up some business, company, corporation, to hand it to a clucks, to hand it to a fool of a son or a child, and you save it up, you work, you bust yourself, and then you turn around and you say, son, there you go. And he buys Ferraris and he goes out and he just, he doesn't know how to handle it and he just, he squanders the whole thing and he loses it in a few years. We see that second, third generation's businesses are gone. Yeah. Both my parents own their own business. None of us wanted to, to, to do that. My brother has his own business. Hmm. Um, you know, for a little while I did my own. It was a little bit hard. Figured out why manufacturing left America. I was building furniture and stuff. But yeah. um, that's the hard part. And, and that's what we see in the monetary system. So the generation that worked and toiled to build that business, the, gener the second, third generation don't have those tough lessons. And they just think, oh, well, I just show up and customers mm -hmm. come and, and we make revenue. And so... They come in with that idea. It's just about showing up, mm -hmm. and it's about the purpose that goes into it. In the Absolutely. So whoever's doing what they're doing right now with that monetary system, the the, the, the reinvention, or or not in a reinvention, just a rediscovery of the way we do the purpose it. of money, yeah. mm -hmm. and the way we barter with one, the way we exchange value for the efforts that we put in or the skill sets because that's what you're paying for people pay you you know the minimum wage because they think you know that's all your hour is worth you're not getting that back they want you to work for them they're willing to give you 15 and they're making you know 250 on your hour in, in the grand scheme of things and and you're happy to let them do that and you know you take your 15 and they take their 250 and you say well yes i agreed to that Mm -hmm. Well, thank God that there's somebody now redefining values again. And to each person, you know, you make those decisions. However you get there is based on the decisions that you made the decade prior. Uh, however you get out of there are going to be the decisions that you make today for the next couple of years to get you out. But at some point you have to decide, do I care about my purpose or do I care about a paycheck? Yeah. 
And I'm not advocating like just... Well, yeah, but most people don't think purpose anymore. Yeah. Yeah. They just think paycheck. Right. And it, it, this, the narrative has been brainwashed into every generation. You know, these last few generations, money is everything. Mm -hmm. And it's not. Well, our brains operate, um, you know, they're taking in tens of thousands of things a day that we don't yeah. even realize. So it's all about the environment that you put yourself in because you become that thing. So if you're spending a lot of time on the internet looking at dumb stuff or mm. sitting in front of a TV or ads are blaring at you or scrolling through Facebook and looking at like... Yeah, what's all, happening? Yeah. What's happening is your, your system of value is being Eroded, defined yep. for you. Yep. And, and in this period, in, in an eroding manner and not mm. in, a, in a prosperous... How many people have lost their marriage and lost their ch The children don't want to be around them. They don't want to come and sit in their, in their house anymore. And the Bible says that one of the blessings of a godly man and, and woman is your children and your children's children want to sit at your table. Mm -hmm. The kids come over all the time. The grandkids come over all the time. They want to be there. That's value. These are principles that, that help people define life better. Mm -hmm. um, and this pursuit of money or love of money or, or acquisition of money is not the goal of life. Mm -hmm. The goal of life is love. The goal of life is fulfillment. The goal of life is the success of purpose. They're the goals of life. It, it, we say it facetiously, but you don't see people on their uh, deathbed being like, man, I, I didn't make it to 10 million. Most people don't want to die mm -hmm. because they haven't fulfilled the purpose. Right. They, they're going to die, and they're looking at back in their life thinking, what was that all about? It happened so quickly. 60-odd, 70-odd, 80 years. I mean, past, like, wow. And what did I do with it? I feel it was something I didn't do. I feel unfulfilled. I don't want to die. That's been the most frustrating point for me in the last couple of years with all this COVID mess and the fear-mongering. And you know, the reality is, it doesn't matter what your opinion is. We've all got ticket is stamped. We're going whenever we go, and and you're not going to. You might avoid COVID and get run over by the carrot truck. Um, you might avoid the carrot truck and get run over by COVID, but until you come to terms with the fact that there is a limited number of hours, days, weeks, and months that you're here, you might as well not worry about what could and what if and what Take about and just you. go do something. It's it's our value system. Yeah. What, it's how we value, measure, what is our benchmark for life. Define what's value. Value is spiritual health, spiritual well-being. And value is physical well-being, mental well-being, mm -hmm. and social well-being, marital well-being. These are things you can't buy with money. You just, money can't, you know, the Beatles are saying, money can't buy me love. Well, all right. It, it can't. There's people fall in love because of money, but the true love is is the love for the individual that's facing you, the potential that they represent, the giftings that they possess, the uniquenesses that make them who they are. Mm -hmm. And and so you know, you said on the deathbed, and I've been, yeah, you've I've been. been for many of them. I've, I've seen a lot of people leave. I always call death the great equalizer mm -hmm. because it doesn't matter what you had and it doesn't matter where you lived or what you wore. Death is, when it comes it's to that same. moment in time, 
there ain't none of it you're taking with you. You're mm -hmm. just leaving. So your life, the sum total of your life at that moment is what you did with what you had. Mm -hmm. Period. It's the resourcefulness that we don't And all have. they ask at that stage is, where's my kids? Mm -hmm. Where's my wife? Where's my husband? Mm -hmm. The relational connects. The value of love and being loved. The value of appreciating and being appreciated. The value of the extension and the giving of the reproduction of more of you in your children and in the concepts and principles of values that you give to them as you watch them do life. Mm -hmm. That's all that matters. Oh, that's, that's all that matters. That's the one thing, especially coming out of these last couple of chaotic years, you know, I hope more people come to understand. I think we all kind of talk about it, but until you understand it, you understand those values and principles that get you to that purposeful point, um, it's just hard to get out of the money. I think the church has done a not as good a job as it should have mm -hmm. of keeping the balance of purpose and, and, and whatever front and center. We were supposed to go to church mm -hmm. to learn these concepts about the greater sense of value, the greater sense of moral, the greater sense of purpose, the greater sense of, um, of uh, fulfillment. And we're supposed to learn that. We're supposed to be taught these concepts and principles so that when we would go into the light, into the world that is endeavoring to self-govern and under sin consciousness, under Adam's derailment of governance, that we would at least influence the money people. We would at least influence the laws that, that, are, that are made to govern societies. We, we'd have some say in the matter. But this separation of church and state has, has kept the church over here and they've no influence in the marketplace. And then we're not even teaching them these concepts. We're more looking for money. And, and, and we've missed the whole concept of what the church is supposed to be. So, Well, as, as you said in the lessons, is we're not teaching the value of blessings. Yes. Giving blessings, being a blessing, taking blessings and, and multiplying well, Most them. people don't understand what that's all about. Air quotes here. We're just teaching religion. Yes. Which is no different than, hey, money. So if our leaders are not being influenced by the spiritual principles, concepts, boundaries, guardrails that we're supposed to be with a greater understanding of the bigger picture, even though we're living this temporary picture right now, and we're not bringing influence to bear on the, on the legislators or on our schools or our educators, then who's at fault? Is it the educators' problem? Is it being the governments? Are they totally at fault for where they've gone? Or is it that the church are, should be held responsible for losing their influence? It's a misplacement of attention on value. The, the attention of value has become money and not the attention of principles that are value exactly. system. Exactly. And, and that defines it. Yeah. It's, it's who defines value. It's you know, where you focus your time, energy, and effort is what you become. Yep. And, and so we've gone into this part of time where our time, energy, and effort is focused on money. Correct. As the thing, not a thing that yeah. can get us what we sure. want. And in the church, instead of influencing it with, with, with bringing balance to it, mm -hmm. we, de we, we got off on it. And the church started to teach, well, God wants to give you money. I mean, it's all about money. I mean, if you're going to be you know, successful with God, God's going to just... And if you're not successful, God, you're going to be poor. Now... That's not true. God does know how to give it to you, but 
If God's going to give it to you, you better understand his optic of it. And he will use you to influence the world around you because the system works on a money system. And, and we covered it a good bit, but that's the difference in wealth of the system and wealth of the Bible. Success in the system and success in the Bible. They're just two different things. And to me, the, the key is, is just resourcefulness. Yeah. Because of the resourcefulness will give you success and wealth on both sides. Yeah. And, a, and a lack there of being resourceful will not give you success on either side. Exactly. It's our, it's our redefinement. And the church has a job to do. Mm-hmm. It's what I, it's what I'm trying to do now. Is play my part in it. Changing the optic. Changing the optic. Just saying to God, godly people, hey, you know what? We can make a difference, mm-hmm. and let's stop blaming our government for all the problems. Because we participate. Well, or we don't participate. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're supposed to be salt and light. He didn't ask us to change the world we're in. He asked us to influence the world. He's coming to change it. He's mm-hmm. going to fix it because it's broke. Mm-hmm. And man's self-governance is broken because he'd always play to his weaknesses. Right. And the what, easy way. Yes. Or whether that be power or control mm-hmm. or uh, whatever. And, and so he, 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 God is just saying, look, it, I understand you've got to live in it. Let me influence your life by helping you discover who you are, connecting to this kingdom which really works it was it was meant to work down there too so now that it's here if you apply by its its laws put your trust in me i'll take care of you and i'll show you how to do it i'll show you how to walk healthy i mean what is god's best divine health or healing a little bit of both for me you get healed divine well divine health is by far god's best Uh well you never get sick you just don't Mm-hmm. Uh, or you, uh, you ward it off every time it arises. You just say, nah, I'm not having this because I've got a covenant. Um, I have a right. I have a constitutional right in the kingdom that Jesus bore my sickness and carried my diseases with his stripes and healed. That's a constitutional right, but that's a legal right. Mm-hmm. Most people don't understand the legality of, of the scriptures and the, the, the kingdom, and therefore they don't apply it as a law. This sort of It's a hopeful thing. Well, maybe he will, maybe he won't. He might, right. he might not. And... And so we opt for the second one. It's healing. Uh-huh. But you actually can have this one. Um, it's where you put your trust. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think the church has to lift its game, get involved again, stop blaming the world for where the world has gone because if we're not the light and the influence of it, um, and you sent me a, a, you sent one of those graphics that, that's sheet with all of that. Oh yeah, with the BIS, the BIS, and then the central banks, then the commercial banks, then the influencers or the policy makers, and then as it drips down into the World Health Organization and the monetary systems, and then it drops down to governments and it drops down to societies. And and the first question I asked you was, "Where's the church?" Mm -hmm. And and that's the stuff the average person doesn't want to know about, or it's conspiracy theory. Where's the church? Where's the church in the in the thing? Well, it's not in it. Right. And yet, God said, Jesus said, the influencers, the salt and the light of every generation are the church. Mm-hmm. But it's not. Not in this generation it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not influencing. And that goes back to that cycle of reset where you know, we get too far left, too far right, comes back to how should use center. Let's just say the church is in the center and then we do it again. We are resetting the church at the moment. Mm-hmm. But the world is getting reset too. Yeah. 
And I think what's happening is that if the church would reset its optic and the, the world would reset its imbalance because it doesn't work and people are not liking a small number of people dictating the narrative for the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Everybody's not getting the fair chance to be or discover or enjoy. As the world endeavor to fix that narrative themselves, I mean, we're looking saying, no, 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 I'm not happy anymore. and I'm not going to let this happen. Um, I'm not going to be controlled by or I want to be creative. I can go on Amazon and start my own business. Hey, I had to come out from COVID and not work. And you know what? I discovered that I can work at something else. Exactly. Hey, you know what? I'm not going back to that. I can do something. I, it give me the chance to find something else that I can be. Yep. Well, they're not coming back. Well, maybe they're going to do something else. They found their purpose. Maybe they found something that makes them more fulfilled and joyful and satisfied and gratified than what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And that's where they are. So, exactly. well, you know, it's gone. It's gone down the tubes. Well, maybe not. Maybe this reset is what what one meant for bad. It's actually turning around for good. So if, if the world would reset itself, its economy, its rules, its narratives, its wokenesses, and fix it, because we're getting ridiculous now altogether. It is. It's getting hard to... All the... I mean, how many... I think there's 37 different genders at the moment. I know. And, and all of this, you know, I, I can fly, I can fly. Now, now you know, gravity's going to show you that unless you have enough fuel, but that fuel's going to run out, you're going to come... At some point, you're going to get tired. It's over. Yeah. And we've got to reset. So I hear these economists saying well you know what we are the, these global uh, narrators policy makers saying there's going to be a reset they have no idea mm-hmm. they think they're resetting it i don't i think god resetting this whole system for a great move of god or a final move of god because he's gracious the church have to get ready for what they're supposed to be doing and see it right and god is taking the world as a system and people are starting to look for the balance and the correct narrative again and fix the economies and whatever. So we all have at least some type of a better playing field. And, and I would agree with that totally. And I, I feel like you can feel that. That we all can feel when change is coming, whether we like it or not. And, and, and you can get on board or you can stand to the side or, or just find your spot. And I do feel like you feel that it's in the air. I don't know what it is. You feel it. Uh, because they realize it you know we're hardwired with with intuition Mm -hmm. some operate in it better than others but what you're talking about is an intuitive awareness that it cannot keep going the way it's going right it will destruct itself but sooner than let that happen we can fix it at least temporarily or take the people who have brought it to this self-destructful uh, uh, place this uh, this cliff edge and say no we're not going you know we're not going to let you push us over this to suit your no we're not going to do this in fact we're going to push back and you can sense the pushback yep and that's part of the living and we don't know what that pushback looks like no. or what 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 event you know what's the straw that breaks camel's back what event is that big thing where everybody recognizes it and agrees. We, we just don't know. That's part of living. I think the last few yeah. years has woke the planet up yeah. to how a few people in science can destroy the whole world. Exactly. I mean destroy it. Yep. Playing around, playing God. Mm-hmm. And all for finance, all for money, all mm-hmm. for, 
you know, buying into projects that now feed into the into the problem. Yep. And um, and people are looking at it going, no, 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 I, that, that wasn't, we were lied to. And these people up here that think you're know, doing the world a service with their technology, only to discover, no, no, you know what, you you try to become like God, you try to control the, the global narrative. We need to change that too. So now the world is looking to change. And, it, and it's interesting, and we think because we're living here now that this time is different. But just to open up the Bible and read the stories, just start at page one and read forward, and you see the same. It, it's, there's different technologies, yeah. there are different people. God has had economic resense for thousands of years. Yeah. Man's governance fails. Yeah, and, it, and it's that, that famous saying that you know, this time is different, but it's not. History repeats itself. Why? Because men under sin gravitate to the same stuff again, and when they get away from the principles, it collapses. There's a reset. It's nothing new. When you hear people say, well, there's going to be a reset in 22. Well, you're not defining the reset. Mm-hmm. You're not. You're not that smart. You haven't mm-hmm. lived long enough to define it. What happens if it's 2030? God has reset <laughs> the global economy more times and, and, and sets it back, and we start. So... The, the Egyptians thought they had it. If you wanted to find that, that economy, you got to get a shovel and go dig for it. But it used to be the biggest economy in the world, and it used to dictate the narrative in the world. Then from there it was the Assyrians, from them it was the Babylonians, from then it was the Grecians, from them it was the Romans. Don't think that every one of those generations, with their shekel or their, or their whatever Caesar had, whatever it was, don't think that they didn't think that they had it all together, logically, scientifically, socially, morally. But if you want to find it today, you got to get a shovel and go dig for it because it used to exist, now all it is is rubble. You got to do work. <laughs> if you want to find it, you got to do work. Yeah. And, oh. As I said, they thought they were indestructible, but it's not true. There's been a reset many times. We are now intuitively understanding that we are on the precipice of a reset. Yeah. So where, uh, for listeners that have more interest in you or what you do, um, where can they find you online or, or just wherever? I, on, on Bible Optics, they'll find it on BibleOptics.org. And, mm-hmm. and we put up our stuff on YouTube. and Facebook and channel. Facebook, yeah. If yeah. you open Facebook and, and BibleOptics.org or, or tune into that, and all of our things are, are live. And, mm-hmm. And uh, it'll inform you when we go. We do. We, we, we teach topically and systematically. And all our endeavor to do is to stop going to the Word and try and take in from, from the manuscript what we wanted to say to suit where we're at and go to it and allow it to tell us what we need to take from it, not, not use it to suit us, but for us to suit what it says. So we're, that's why we're Bible optics. We're just changing our optics. And so uh, it's a joy to do it and, and uh, just being a part of what you're doing and just talking into it. I don't know if it made a lot of sense to people today and in, 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 in the broadcast, but I, I'm hoping that people will understand the, the connectivity between the kingdom and the world systems that we're in. And the, the, the bigger picture is that there are principles and there's a constitution that exists today that if applied to our life, if submitted to and yielded to the lordship of, of that governance, can truly change our life in this world we're in. Jesus said, I'm in it, but I'm not of it. Mm-hmm. And he lived by another set of rules. Well, I, I mean, I'm very appreciative of you coming on. Um, I, 
I've been excited just kind of going through some of your stuff, attending mm-hmm. your class, getting to know you better on a personal level, and um, very appreciative of you coming on, um, whether one person hears it or 100 people hear it. Hopefully, I enjoyed talking the message, to you about it. Yeah. yeah, the message goes, and, and, and people uh, use it to be productive. So I appreciate you coming on today. Thank you so much.